You dead, Sean? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> It is the 83rd episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm Alan Girding, and with me is my biz partner. That's me, yeah. I'm Sean. I'm I'm the partner of biz. I'm always nervous it's going to be somebody else, so they're going to be like, I'm David Mendelssohn. <laughs> and you're like, no. Yeah, we're Tuesday Night Games. Random fact about me, number 26. I'm one of those idiots that thought because San Francisco is in California that it's really warm. And I'm really dumb because a lot of times I still forget that. Like, yay! And I pack in my shorts and whatever. Going to San Francisco! But get there and it's like, oh, balls, it's colder than Ohio in the summertime. Cold. It's kind of my, it's my perfect weather. Your perfect weather is shorts and hoodie weather or jeans and hoodie? You like yeah, that type of weather? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I want to be able to wear whatever I want and either deal with it if it's a little chilly, you know, or be comfortable. But I think your perfect weather is shorts and tank top and less. <laughs> yeah. I don't like wearing clothes, truth be told. I guess that's a random fact about me again. But why am I talking about San Francisco, Sean? Because Kublai Khan was this last weekend. That's right. But hey... We should talk about what's going on in the biz, and then we can talk about Kublai Khan, which I feel selfish about, because it's like, hey, let's talk about everything I did over the weekend. But any updates on shipping or anything like that? So yeah, uh, if you're a Necroboomicon backer, we've shipped out all the product except for if you backed at that $50 level. Necroboomicon! I'll be signing games this week and then shipping them out. Hopefully all of them will be out by the end of May, because that was our ship date. It's been really important to us to get better and better about hitting those deadlines. Some of you had customer service issues. Some of your cards were not matching. We talked to our manufacturers. We're getting some reprints made. Oh, we're getting into this. Oh, yeah. Our manufacturer is being really generous and just replacing a ton of sets for us. And so if you've had issues, don't email us because I have a million emails. Basically, I have to just go ahead and say the same thing, which is we're going to release a link on our Kickstarter update. Tonight. Tonight. That's right. And that way you can fill out a survey. Just think of it as like a second survey that you fill out for your Kickstarter saying, you know, what are the issues you had? And, you know, what's your address and that kind of stuff. And we're hoping within 60 to 90 days, we'll have all those shipped out. A lot of people didn't have problems, which is great, though. Those people will be playing games, even as feedback and having a great time. I think one thing I'm learning after Terms of the Boom, World Championship Brushlet, and Necroboomicon is never be surprised. There's always going to be some issue with shipping or manufacturing. You have to sort of live today. You have to say, okay, cool. Well, that's what happened. So what do we do now? How do we solve this? And I think we're getting better and better about not feeling like, oh, the world's crumbling and instead just moving forward into the solution, which is exciting to me. Speaking of moving forward in good times, we got Origins coming up. June 14th, and we're giving out a free game if you stop by our booth at Origins. So do that. You know what the free game is? CODG. Cause of Death Ghost. Oh, yeah. It's Cause of Death Ghost, bro. We also have the Gen Con event tickets are about half gone, so we still have some left, so if you haven't snagged yours, I'm gonna guess that probably by next episode, they'll all be gone, which is pretty exciting. It's actually weirdly important to get tickets because it's a free event, right? They just need to get the ticket to reserve a spot. They don't need to pay anything, correct? That is correct, and I'm gonna say, (sighs) I'm gonna do this, Sean. I'm gonna commit. 
I'm also going to give free stuff to the people who come to Gen Con for our podcast event. Boom, I said it. I'm committed now. Now I can't back out. The crazy thing is, we definitely need people to get tickets, even though it's a free event. If you think you're going to come, get a ticket, because what ends up happening is we use those numbers with Gen Con to get a bigger room. And last year, I think SBJ forgot to turn in the tickets, and we weren't able to get a bigger room this year. It's just a little paper trail, essentially, for us. It's like, how many can we plan on? What do we need to bring? Where do we need to go? Yeah, if we sell out every time, it means bigger and bigger space and more and more quality. Better, better prizes. And then we also have World Championship Russian Let's on Amazon. That's right. It's on Amazon.com. It's heading to Amazon.co.uk shortly. So we're excited about that. But you can go get it right now. Let's stop talking about business and talk about the business of Kubla Khan. Yes. Let me tell you, Sean, amazing time. All the vendors I talked to said, hey, profitable show. So you know what that means next KublaCon? KublaCon 2018, Sean? We're going to go and have a booth? Yes, we are, sir. <laughs> so Memorial Day weekend, KublaCon, San Francisco. Can't wait, even though it's not for another year. I just left because that's how much fun I had at this con. What's KublaCon like compared to, say, Origins or Gen Con? What kind of show is it? Is it a gaming show? Is it a buying show? If I'm thinking about going, what kind of person is it good for? It's definitely for the gaming type. Lots and lots of events, especially of role players. If you are into role playing games, can't emphasize KublaCon enough. I would say it's the equivalent of BGG Con in that they have the gaming library and they have a smaller exhibit hall that's growing. In fact, I got the inside scoop. Supposedly, KublaCon's growing so much that this year they rented out another hotel for people to stay at, and next year they have to rent out a third one because attendance is just growing that much. It's an up and coming con, and I was immensely impressed with how much bigger it was this year just compared to last year. Here's my question for you, Sean. You've made a game and you're not sure what to do with distribution, but you want to talk to someone who's nice and knowledgeable and will give it to you straight. What kind of names do you think of when you're thinking of going into distribution with your game? Probably Aldo from Impressions. Shut up because that's this interview. Here we go. I don't like having fun. Fun sucks. Fun fun, sucks. It's a game convention. I don't like having fun. Right. Fun's for losers. (laughs) We're winners. (laughs) Hey, it's Kubla Khan. We're here in San Francisco. Who are you? I am Aldo Giazzi. My company, Impressions, is a back-end business-to-business company that handles selling games to distributors for game publishers. All right. So you would say game distributor then? No, we sell to the game distributors. So we're like a rep for game distributor sales. So we're a middleman in the middleman world. (laughs) Gotcha, all right. And I'm assuming you get that all the time then. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I try to say distribution service and people still think it, but but it doesn't matter. Either way, it's a small industry. Right, well, let's put it into perspective. I make a game. Yes. Why the hell would I talk to you? So there's good and bad. We already work with all these game distributors out there. We deal with a lot of the mass market places too. Right. Amazon, Barnes Noble. So instead of you doing all that work, we do it for you. Instantly. Not instantly, hopefully. But anyway, we already have the connections. So you don't have to check off the list, everybody. Who do, I, who do I need to call? Who do I need to call? Because we're already dealing with that. So when we're shipping a gazillion dollars worth of stuff to a distributor or somebody, they can just say, oh, and give me, you know, 20 more copies of that new game you're working on, you know, to try it out. So it makes it easier for them. Gotcha. Now, here's what I'm really interested in. What is your personal story of how you got into this racket? At what point did you wake up and say, 
that's what I'm doing. I'm starting a company, Impressions. It's a slow burn. Was it all of a sudden inspiration? It was not inspiration. Just like everybody else, I grew up playing games. You know, I played Dungeons and Dragons, I played whatever, and then I decided I could make my own games. So in the 90s, I made my own games poorly. Former game designer. I'm a former game designer. Anything we would hear of? Anything the we would The biggest thing that I sold that I sold a lot of was a, a property called Battle Cattle, which was a miniature set of rules. And then I licensed it and did like plush toys and Battle Cattle the card game through Steve Jackson. We did miniatures. We did many editions and expansions. So Battle Cattle was my biggest, well, biggest quote unquote on a podcast. I'm putting my fingers up in quotes. <laughs> you know, and then. Basically, I had worked with this company called Wizards Addict, and they were what I do now. He sold my games to distributors for me. Well, he was practically going bust and broke and out of business, and he was local here. So I kept going to him going, look, I know you're going out of business. I know this is about to all fall apart. I want my money for my sales and da-da-da. Well, while I was doing that, he was going to like run away to New Zealand or something, and I said, look. Son of a bitch. Yeah, so I'm like, I'd like to do this with me and a couple friends. So I got together with two of my other game publisher companies and said, look, I'm going to start this. We're going to do it for my company and your two companies. So we had a triumvirate, and I started Impressions to compete with the guy that was going away, but then basically just said to him, okay, you're going out of business. What are you going to do with all this stuff? He's like, uh, like it was all just going to be like abandoned. Abandoned. Just so I garbage. said, look, just tell everybody I'll take it over. So I, I basically just took over the company for nothing. He just like transferred the product and we started doing it. So it wasn't big at, back at the time. It was just like seven companies or ten companies at the time. So you got where you are by being a pirate and killing the competition. Oh, come on. I can look at myself as a savior. <laughs> I saved ten, a dozen game companies. I, I, I saved a dozen games. This game is real gotcha media yeah, here. Darn it, man. He got me. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm trapped. I that's awesome. And how long ago was that? That was back in 2000. So I've been doing impressions full time for 17 years. So we work with about 80 game publishers right now. Nice. I'm going to crush on you a little bit because sure, no, I've no, only no. ever heard good things about Aldo. <laughs> and it's kind of in the know when you make a game, if it's gamer related, go to Aldo. And I remember when we made Two Rooms and a Boom, we met with you. Yeah, and I you, did. I traded some information with you, I remember. That. Yeah, and you were very upfront and very cool. kind. And you gave us a lot of info because you were very honest and said, hey, if you're not sure that this would make it in a gaming retail store, this may not be the place and you actually gave us some recommendations for Good. whatever we ended up doing it all on our own anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and, and that's an option you don't need our company I mean you can do it on your own it's yeah. just you know we're easier out the gate but you know we charge a commission for it yeah. of course I don't know, we, I kind of started Impressions because so many of the game distributors didn't want to deal with a lot of the little companies. So as a consolidator, which is kind of the coin phrase for the business that we do, it makes it easy for the distributors to deal with a whole bunch of companies under one roof to make one big transaction. Because think about it, if you're a small game company and you don't know anything or whatever, these distributors are going to be like, look, I only want like 30 copies, 40 copies. They don't want a lot to start because they don't want to take risk. So if you take 24 copies from 80 different publishers, it becomes a giant order, potentially. Anyway, so we became the kind of go-to rep for new game companies to kind of walk them through the new world that they were getting into. But again, they didn't need to do it like you. You, you went on your own. 
I don't know your situation. We're just doing straight through Amazon. Exactly. And if that works for you, you don't have to worry about my commission. You don't have to worry about the cuts in wholesale. There's many different roads people can go to. And this is why I crush it on you (laughs) and why you have a great reputation is because of how forthright you are and how much you distribute the information. This is what I said at the beginning. If you recorded that beginning, we were talking about, oh, it's games, games. The game industry is fun. And if you really can't have fun, I don't know. I mean... Some people get a little too serious, I guess. I yeah, think. well said. Well said. Very cool. If they want to get in touch with you, someone wants to reach out like, I've got something. Should they? How should they do it? Type Aldo in the internet. No. <laughs> They'll go to that shoe store that I don't own. No, Aldo at Impressions. You know, Impressions Game Distribution Services is easily looked up. Very cool. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Aldo. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the time. I was being interviewed. I know. And that's why I shut my face. <laughs> I love at the end he says I was being interviewed and somebody else says I know that's why I shut my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a woman that was standing right by us as we were doing the interview but that's Aldo as we said he totally gave us some great pointers when we were starting off Aldo's always got a ton of energy I remember very clearly his pointer was don't use me you don't use me you don't <laughs> want to be hobby you want to be mainstream I won't be able to do it and we were like well what about and he was like nope you don't want to use me. when we were like, okay, cool. Really surprising. Very direct. It's a great sales technique because, you know, we don't want to go through traditional distribution right now. It's not right for our company. But he made me want to because he didn't want us to. You know what I mean? He made us want to work with him because he was just being so honest and friendly and just matter of fact. Talk about integrity. It was He was just reeking of it. But I have a different question for you, Sean. Okay. Sometimes games come in boxes and it doesn't Uh even fit. I think the worst is Super Dungeon Explorer. You open up the box, it has all these minis, you make them, and it doesn't fit back into the box. Other times games, they do fit back into the box, but poorly. Man, that really sucks. And if you really want to get a better box fit for your components, can you think of what you should do? Are you talking about contacting Mayday Games? Nope, not Mayday. What does Mayday Games do? Give you sleeves? No, uh, that's just something I've heard on the manufacturing end is they have a good handle on making your boxes from scratch. Or are you talking about like a third party like Dogmite or something like that? I'm thinking of Broken Token. Ah. I'm here at the Broken Token with... Greg Spence. Greg, what's your deal? What's what's going on? So yeah, we're at the Broken Token. We make deluxe accessories and organizers for the board game industry. So lots of cool things to uh, pimp your board games, whether it's storage solutions and inserts or metal coins and upgraded tokens. I'm going to crush on you a little bit because I'm looking at the Blood Rage box alone. It's ingenious how it holds everything. Thanks. And that goes within the original Blood Rage box. Right. Except it's gorgeous and super organized. Right. How the hell did this happen? What's the story behind Broken Token? Well, really, it kind of just started with me making some things for myself back uh, in 2013. I was, I've always been a big board game aficionado, and I've always been a woodworker, so I was just making stuff that I liked, and some of my friends were like, oh, man, yeah, that's really cool. You should put that online. So I started posting pictures on BGG, and people started saying, hey, how can I buy this from you? Where can I send you money? So I was like, well, maybe other people want this stuff, too. So uh, I put up a little website and started getting orders, and the funny thing 
interesting was the orders just kept rolling in. Like I didn't really expect what kind of you know response we'd get from it. What led to me once a week going down and using a community laser cutter ended up going to every two days. You know, I'm driving down there cutting more stuff, and I'm like, this is not going to work. So I finally told my wife, you really need to buy a laser cutter for the garage. And she's like, who puts a laser in their garage? Well, you know, if if we don't do this, it's it's a lot of back and forth. So we ended up buying our laser cutter and putting it in there, and then it got to where I could run production in the evenings after my day job but even then within a couple of months that wasn't keeping up with the business we had a nanny at the time watching our twins that were I guess two years old and I ended up teaching the nanny how to run the laser so during the day (laughs) when my wife and I are at work she's out there running laser production for me so I'd get home from work and have a stack of stuff ready to go even then we outgrew that and that turned to us working till midnight every night just got to the point where it's like okay to take this thing to the next step we need to move out of the garage we need to hire some more people and that happened in uh, April of 2014. We started in our new location with two people and in just a few years later now we're 23 employees and so it's just been this crazy growth spurt ever since and it's been a fun ride. I left the video game industry in 2015 to do this full-time and there's been no looking back. It's been a blast. Here's the burning question. Nanny still work for you? <laughs> Not anymore, actually. You know, we were sad to see her go, but she ended up taking a new job and moving to another city. We still keep in touch, and she's a great person. Yeah, she doesn't work for us anymore, but it was a blast while, while we had her. So Very cool. What's the best way to get your own Broken Token goods? Yeah, best way to find us, just go online to uh, thebrokentoken.com, and uh, you can order from us online. We do about 17 trade shows a year, so if you're going to Origins or Gen Con or any of these other shows later in the year, we'll be there. So we look Look for us there or look us up online. We'd love to uh, hear from you. One last question. Do you have a personal favorite of any of the products that you've made? Like, what's your baby? It's hard. It always changes. I do love the Blood Rage one because it's the last one I really put a lot of time in personally into. Everything new we're making is I'm, I'm in love with every new one because we're always pushing the boundaries. And we're working on an insert now for Gloomhaven, which will be out very soon. And that one will probably be my new favorite when it's out. Gloomhaven is brilliant, of course. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait. All right, what was the very first one that you're working on that you spoke of in your story? It was for uh, King of Tokyo. It was a game I was playing at the time, and I had the the Power Up expansion and the Halloween expansion, and I was like, how can I get all this in one box? And it was a very simple organizer, but it had a little removable tray for the green cubes and the little poison tokens and all that. It was very simple, and the next one I did after that was Eclipse, and then the suggestions just started rolling in from the customers. Make one for this, make one for that. You know, we're still trying to catch up to the demand. (laughs) Greg, thank you so much for your time. That's awesome. Enjoy KublaCon. The con going well for you? Yeah, it's going great. We're having a blast up here. Yeah, there's a continual flow I can see of people coming in. So very cool. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Super nice guy. Yeah, he sounds like it. So the cool thing is you mentioned Dogmite Games, and they make great accessories. I wish they were there because, as you know, I'm personal friends with the Dogmite guys. They make the dice boxes and whatnot. But this is something where you put it inside the already made box so that it totally organizes things so it's not just some type of hellacious mess. Like a turd. Do you own any... Any organizers? No, I don't. The only game I've really run into a problem with that with was Guilds of Cadwallon had all these expansions and none of them fit in the box. And it was a huge bummer. And then I I didn't want to buy an upgrade kit. But I want to know that they like thought about it, that the board game company thought about it, you know. And that's one of the things that we work really hard on. But even still, it's expensive to like create 
inserts. And it's one of those things you can't really sell to the customers. It's very, very nice to have, but most people only notice it when it's not done right. But it's not like I'm going to buy a game because the organization is really good. I'm going to buy the game because the game is good. So it's one of those things that's hard to spend money on as a publisher. I'm glad that there's someone to pick up the crumbs from uh, failures. So broken token. We have a mutual friend, Sean, that still works for Disney. You're talking about Philip Wynn? I am talking about Philip Wynn. Now, he wasn't there, but he spoke of a friendly fellow who got into the gaming industry that used to work for Disney. Do you know who I'm talking about? You're talking about Ed Baraff. I am talking about Ed Baraff. I'm with a good-looking gentleman with a strong jaw. Strong jaw. Who are you, sir? Ed Baraff. And is that the name you go by? Uh, generally, but Edo comes up a lot. That's on my channel, Edo's Game Reviews, and my real name's Eduardo. So what would you prefer that I call you? Ed's fine. Ed's fine. All right, so Ed, I'm already being obnoxious. So sorry. Ed, you have a company. I do. You have a YouTube channel. I do. And I also hear through the grapevine that you have an app background, a programming background. Well, yeah, games. Games, games, games. Games, games, games. How the hell did that start? I'm fortunate enough that I started enjoying games as a kid, and then in college I started a independent video game company. It failed, but then I went QA and I was in video games for 15 years, and then started board games, and I've been enjoying it. Any video game that people would recognize that they'd like, oh man, you did that? If it's no, I'm sorry for bringing it up. No, no. I worked at Bufang Games that did the Zoo Tycoon franchise, so a lot of people have heard of that. Ooh. But I did the Zoo Kingdom on Facebook, Oregon Trail on Facebook, and Carmen San Diego on Facebook. Holy, yeah. damn! I did Lion Pride on mobile. But before that, I mean, I worked for Atari. I worked for Disney. So I worked on the Tap Tap franchise. That's actually how I know more about you is a mutual friend through Disney. Yeah, yeah. And he speaks very highly of you. Oh, very nice. Says you're a nice guy, which really comes off in your YouTube videos. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself. So the story was, what was the transition from digital to tabletop? So the transition for me is, one, I was working at a company called Mind Control with a guy named Thomas Denmark. He was working on a game called Murder of Crows. I worked with him on it, and Atlas published that. So that was my first game I've ever had published. Murder of Crows. Murder of Crows. But really what happened was I was working at Bufang. Things go poorly sometimes, and we were sort of shuttering things up. And all those Facebook games and mobile games just sort of disappear. <laughs> and no, you can't go play any of those games because the servers are down. And I was just really frustrated. And so I was like, I'm going to make a physical game. Because even if no one backs it or does anything with it, and there wasn't even Kickstarter, if no publisher picks it up, it can still be on my shelf, and in 10 years I can play that game. That so makes sense, yeah. yeah. And so I had it, some people were looking at it, it didn't go anywhere, but then Aldo from Impressions, he was like, why don't you put it on Kickstarter? And I was like, okay, Kickstarter, and then I started So Aldo's the one who taught you about Kickstarter, or had you already heard about Kickstarter? I had heard about it, but I, he was the guy who was like, you should do a board game on Kickstarter and get it funded. And I was like, all right. And so I learned about it, and that lift off is Pencil First Game's first game. And then it's Siblings Trouble and Gem Pact and all the other ones. Yeah, Gem Pact, is it an app? It is. It is. So at the time, after Disney, I was starting stuff, and I was like, I'll still do digital. So I did the Gem Pact app first, and then I did cards, and then I used Kickstarter on that. Adorable game. So let's go through your lineup. <laughs> So, for Pencil First Games, it was Lift Off, Get Me Off This Planet. Oh, yeah. Right? And then Gem Pack Cards, The Siblings Trouble, which was on Tabletop Deathmatch, which was pretty cool. Heroes and Tricks, and Herbaceous. Oh, yeah. Herbaceous is the latest one. And then on July 11th, Legendary Creatures. Give me a 10-second pitch for it. Legendary Creatures Kickstarter is going to be on July 11th, Tuesday the 11th. It is a, a bigger box game. What you're going to be doing is you are apprentices who want to become druids, 
and once a year they have a trial. It's like the Iditarod with the legendary creatures. So you're using them to beat out all of your fellow apprentices to become the next druid. Very cool. Where does YouTube come into this? After liftoff, games take forever, man. Yeah. To make them, fund them, and ship them, right? Yeah. Well, and I was like... You were guilty of that as well. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, how can I... So much of it is social media and being a part of it. How do you stay a part of it when it takes two years to do something? I don't know. Everyone had like 20 minute reviews. And I was like, why do people have, who wants to watch a review for 20 minutes? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do a review, three, four, five minute review. Here's the game. Here's why I like it and why you should play it. So that's how I started. I started with the review channel and I've been doing that. I've done a lot. And since then, I started doing the League of Game Maker stuff, which is just videos about making games and Kickstarters and sharing information and that kind of thing. If people want to get in touch with you or know more information, where should they go? What should they do? Pimp yourself, sir. Easy. Hit me on Twitter, ebaraf, E-B-A-R-A-F. I'll respond. I'm pretty good at that. Facebook as well. But Pencil First Games, www.pencilfirstgames.com. Those are the easiest ways to do it. July 11th. I'm there, sir. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks. This is one of the appeals to Kubla Khan is getting to see all these great people in one place. Ed's a great guy. Moving on. I saved my personal favorite for last. The last person I talked to is Rick Loomis. Now, Rick Loomis, I have no previous experience with, or so I thought. See, I think you'll really like this too, and I know you've heard me talk about Grimtooth's Book of Traps. Did you ever buy any, or have you only seen my collection? Uh, I almost bought them when uh, Goodman Games released their big collection for DCC, reprinting all of them. But I didn't. Right, because Goodman Games licensed it from Rick Loomis. So I got Rick Loomis to talk about how he came up with Grimtooth's Book of Traps. But I'm here at KublaCon Live, and who are you, sir, and what do you do? I'm Rick Loomis. I'm the president of Flying Buffalo. I'm a huge fan of Grimtooth's Traps, always have been for years now. I want to know what the idea was behind Grimtooth's Traps and how you came up with it, because it's brilliant. I was sitting around in my office in Scottsdale and uh, wondering what we could create new to make some more money. And I thought about it, well, there was books of monsters, books of treasures, books of spells, but nobody had done a book of traps yet. So I said, hey, let's do a book of traps. And then we had created this character for our magazine, Sorcerer's Apprentice, called Grimtooth the Troll. And so one of my staff members, Pat Mueller, said, well, let's make Grimtooth the Troll the narrator of a book of traps. And so that's how the idea came about. Each of these books, how many are there? There's like eight of them? There's seven. Traps, Traps 2, Traps 4, Traps 8, Traps Light, Dungeon of Doom, and Traps Bazaar. How did you come up with all these different trap ideas? The staff sat around and came up with all of them for the first book, and then once we came out with it, people sent in suggestions, so we were just overwhelmed with suggestions of traps. I love it because there's so many clever traps. There's even one I, I remember where there's like a teleporter that you don't know is a teleporter where you're supposed to put your sword through it, but realistically all it ends up doing is you're stabbing yourself in the back. So there's magical traps. There's a lot of mechanical traps. Off the cuff, do you have any favorite traps that you remember? There's two that I really like. One is there's a chasm you have to cross and a convenient rope that you can grab to swing across. Only as you go across, it gets longer. And instead of getting across, you hit the wall on the other side. And my other favorite is the uh, pressure plate that does nothing at all except make a clicking noise when you step on it. And that's it. That's right, because each of these traps have skull ratings as far as their lethality, right? Like right. one skull, three skulls, four skulls. If you could recommend just one of these books for someone to start with, which one would you recommend? Because I know which one I would recommend. Which one would you recommend? 
Well, at this point, I would recommend Traps 1, except I'm all out of that one, so now I have to recommend Traps 2. For me, one of my favorites is the Dungeon of Doom because that actually has an entire dungeon full of them. So it's done the work for you where it's organized it one trap after another after another. Really cool. If our listeners want to get a hold of some of these books, where do they go? How do they do it? Flyingbuffalo.com. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So I really had a fun time interviewing these different people, but I don't know if it makes for good podcasting. What do you think, Sean? Not really. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I think it's good. I, um, it's always nice to hear other voices on the show, both in interviews and in the Naves Tonight segments that you've been doing. It's just a nice reminder that board gaming is a huge community, right? And there's a lot of different people in it, and there's a lot of different connections. And it's like Aldo said, if you can't have fun in this industry, it's kind of hard to know what industry you're going to have fun in. And that's what makes it so great to work in this industry is the people. So I love always hearing about people you've met or that we've seen on our travels. Like we said earlier, we've been doing this for about four or five years, and there are people I did not know at all when we started this that I'm really close friends with now, and you as well right? Absolutely. It can feel clickish, but I feel like it's one of those industries where if you just jump in and start talking to people, you will make friends, you will meet people. It can be very welcoming in that way. Speaking of the Nave Tonight program, please keep on sending your audio. When we can get to them, we will. And I also want to know what you think of the interviews, the live podcasting. So make sure you write us in. We're podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at PlayTKG. You can hit me. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding. I'm at the tweets. I'm also on Facebook. Sean? You can find me on Twitter at at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Thank you so much for your time. And you know what, Sean? This episode is... El Finito. And it's... Ha, 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 ha.